Good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're all here, especially if you're one of your first times here. We especially are glad that you've chosen to spend this hour or so with us, and uh, we are praying that God would use it in a special way in your life. We started a series last week, and so I know some of you aren't here. It's on our website if you want to listen to it. Uh, the series is titled, In the Meantime, and we'll explain that in a second. But today's topic is a purpose and a promise. And I asked last week if you would give me, put something on your cards or send me an email letting you, me know about one of your in the meantime situations. And some of you emailed me and it was heartbreaking to read uh, some on, on the cards and so forth. I got another one from the first service this morning and it made me realize that this is a big topic, important topic, a uh, hard topic. Um, and some of you are going through things I can't even imagine. Uh, so today we're going to go kind of right to the big issue. We're going to tackle uh, a, a profound issue or truth surrounding this topic. Now, as a pastor, I've met people like this, but probably most of us have. I call them remarkable people. They're people that go through these in the meantime situations, difficulties, adversities, problems, whatever. And... Um, they're able to say <laughs> that they can see the hand of God in and through the adversity, the difficulty. Uh, some of you are new here, so I'll give a little backstory here. Uh, about three years ago, we found out that uh, our daughter-in-law, my son Josh's wife, had inoperable cancer and a brain, tum- brain tumor. They gave her a year and a half to 10 years to live. Well, she lived a year and a half. And um, she was one of those people. And I don't think I would be this way. Hopefully I would be, but I don't know if I would handle something like that that way. And her son, our son Josh, her husband, uh, also uh, were able to, sure there's lots of tears but we're able to go through that situation, go through the grieving, go through the death, with their faith strengthened, uh, rather than uh, cursing God or, or anything like that. So this is a difficult topic, a difficult area, but uh, again, a really important area. And if we are to move forward in our lives, if we are to make progress, if we're to have growth, it's really important that we... Uh, understand and hopefully uh, take God's perspective uh, all of life, but especially in the meantime situations. So we started last week with this question, what do you do in this whole series when there's nothing you can do? You're in uh, uh, a marriage that um, hasn't been good for a long time. Maybe you've met in a counseling, counseling doesn't seem to help. Um, you don't want to change. She doesn't want to change. Uh, you don't want to break up the family. And so you're just in this holding pattern. Not good, but you don't know what to do to change it. And it's just, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, maybe it's, it's with uh, a child, adult child or smaller child. There's some issue. Uh, adult child has gone off and and they're not living the way you raised them, and you did the best job you could, and, 
you know, you still love them, but uh, you don't see them either spiritually, relationally, professionally, uh, making much progress, doing the things you would wish for them to do. It might be financial. Uh, you're in a situation where you can't, uh, you just can't manage financially. Of course, the, hopefully you'll take the class and that will be helpful to you. I said this in the past. I've taken the class three times. I must be just a slow learner, but uh, really good stuff and you can't get it all in, in one time and you kind of start slipping and not as diligent with your finances. So if you've even taken it once, I'd encourage you, it wouldn't, wouldn't be bad to take it again. But you're in this, this situation, you don't know what to do. Do you lose your house, sell your house? Uh, what do you do financially? You get a second job. Maybe it's professionally. You're in a dead-end job, a job you don't like. You, you can't see a way to change. You're not going to get ahead. Um, it's just, just the way it is. You don't know what to do. So there's lots of areas of lives, our lives where this happens. And I, I like to think of it in the terms of dreams. We all have dreams. We all have dreams about. You know, I do marriage, wedding ceremonies, and, and I've never married a couple that said, hey, I'm going to be, I don't want to be happy the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't want to have a good marriage. You know, that's, that's, our, that's our dream. Going to live happily ever after. My wife watches those sappy movies, and I don't like them because they're basically on the Hallmark channel or whatever. Because you're always in happily ever after. Well, to me, that's not <laughs> life. Maybe it's because she's married to me, but anyway, no. Uh, she just likes happily ever after. We all like happily ever after, right? Uh, we have our dreams professionally. You know, we're going to go into some field, and we're going to make a difference in the world, and and financially, we're going to have plenty of money. And, and uh, now I'm getting the age, I'm thinking about retirement. Am I going to have enough money to, to retire the way I would like to and comfortably and so forth? So, you know, and sometimes it's not even our fault. We're in these, these in-the-meantime situations, and we don't know what to do, and we don't see anything changing anytime soon. Sometimes it's health issues. It's not going to kill us. Unfortunately, it did with Aaron, but... It's not going to kill us, but it's not going to get better. They can kind of treat it somewhat and just kind of learn to live with it unless some miracle cure comes up in the future. And in these situations, the temptation is, I want out. I want it to end. I, I, you know, I can't deal with this anymore. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Uh, you give up. You run away. Whatever. You know, I'll, you know, I'll find another spouse and I'll be happy this time. It'll be different. You know, I'll have more kids. I don't know if you want to have more kids. <laughs> more kids and they'll, they'll, they'll be better, you know. They'll, they'll be better, more uh, well-behaved, you know. Uh, get out of this job and get in some other field, whatever it might be. That's the temptation. And the other issue is we compare. And nowadays, you don't only just compare with the people that live near you. We have Facebook. You compare your lives to everybody's lives. And uh, if you get these Christmas cards with the letters in, you, you get those single-spaced, front and back, tell them how great their lives are going. And, I, uh, and you're saying, wow, you know, my kids didn't turn out that way. You know, my life's not that way. Uh, my job's not turned out like, maybe it's school. Uh, you know, we all have these situations. And we compare, and then so we get jealous, and we get resentful. You know, why is your marriage better than my marriage? And why is your job better than my job? And do all that, all that. And we get angry and, and all, all these emotions. It made me think of a, a movie clip, one of my favorite movies. I don't know how Hollywood got it so well, but if you want good theology in an entertaining, fun movie, 
Uh, we'll show you a clip from him, Bruce Almighty. Well, thank God you're all right. God, yeah, let's thank God, shall we? For his blessings are raining down upon me. Wait, that's not rain! Bruce, please don't do that, honey. You know that everything happens for a reason. That I don't need. That is a cliche. That is not helpful to me. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. I have no bird. I have no bush. God has taken my bird in my bush. Oh, I see. So, so God is picking on you? Is that what you're saying? No, he's ignoring me completely. He's far too busy giving Evan everything he wants. Oh, that's great, Sam. But you missed your target. I'm over here! Don't get mad at the dog. It's not the dog's fault. No, it's God's fault. You gave him the wrong coordinates. You know what? Enough. All right? Will you just stop being such a martyr? I am not being a martyr. I'm a victim. God is a mean kid sitting on an anthill with a magnifying glass, and I'm the ant. He could fix my life in five minutes if he wanted to, but he'd rather burn off my feelers and watch me squirm. All right, sweetheart, I know that you're mad. It's completely understandable what Evan did is slimy and wrong. But this day could have been so much worse. I'm just glad you're okay. Okay? Newsflash! I'm not okay. I'm not okay with a mediocre job. I'm not okay with a mediocre apartment. I'm not okay with a mediocre life! Did I express some of our feelings, some of our emotions? Uh, God's picking on me. I'm a victim. Poor pitiful me. Pity party. Uh, fed up with your mediocre life. True feelings. Now, last week we talked about three lies we believe when we're in these situations. First lie is this, I'll never be happy again. I haven't been happy for months or years, so... I don't see anything changing. I'm just never going to be happy again. The second lie is nothing good can come from this. He said, oh, everything's got a purpose. And Pastor, don't tell me, you know, there's got the stories in the Bible. And, you, know, you know, good's going to come from this. Nothing good can come from this. You can't convince me. And the third one is there's, there's, there's no point in continuing. Why should I keep being unhappy? Why should I keep going on without any purpose? Why should I keep going on? And unfortunately, some people actually in their lives. They don't see any point in continuing. Now, last week, real quickly, I gave you two stories where Jesus could have changed the outcome, and he didn't. It looked like Jesus kind of set up two people for one of these in-meantime situations. One was John the Baptist, wound up in prison. Jesus didn't help, and he wound up getting his head cut off. The other one was Lazarus. He was sick, and Jesus let him die. But we did made, came to this conclusion, though, even though it doesn't appear that way, that God, in these situations, God is not absent, even though we don't feel like he's here. He's not apathetic. He isn't that he doesn't care. And he's not angry. And we said last week, the reason he's not angry with you, this is really important, is he poured out all his anger on Jesus on the cross. He has none left. All, Jesus took it all. So you and I, God is never going to be angry with. There's a kind of a strange principle at work here. We have this idea that because God isn't cooperating with us, that he doesn't exist. Now, we've got a lot of parents in here. <laughs> and we all had parents. Most of our children would say to us, would go around saying, hey, my mom doesn't exist. My dad doesn't exist because they wouldn't let me stay up late last night or they wouldn't let me have... Uh, candy before dinner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You fill it in with whatever you want. 
It's kind of a silly concept to believe just because we don't, God doesn't cooperate with us that he doesn't exist. We don't cooperate with our kids. And the reason is because hopefully we know better than them. And the same situation applies to God, obviously. Now, in the New Testament, we see a lot of in-the-meantime situations. We see a lot of trials, tribulations, adversities, just bad situations. And the amazing thing is, I wouldn't say blanketly, but almost always, people get through those situations without their faith being destroyed, but actually being strengthened. They actually draw closer to God rather than pushing God away. And so that's a good, that's encouragement uh, to me. Now we're going to look at one. He's, his, his name is Paul, and Paul's an interesting character, maybe one of the best examples we could use, because he wasn't one of the disciples that hung out, hung out with Jesus. He didn't see Jesus here on earth. None of us have seen Jesus here on earth. And also the interesting thing is he started out hating Jesus' followers. In fact, he got a, somehow was given permission to go around arresting these people and even killing them just because they were Jesus' followers. So he was, he was passionate Jesus hater. Maybe you don't like Christians. I don't know. Uh, so you're in good company with Paul. But then through this dramatic transformation, he became a Jesus follower. So he saw his life as good before he became a Jesus follower, even though we would say he was doing the wrong thing. But, so now he's becoming a Jesus follower. He's committed himself, all this passion, and he became a, a person who went around the Mediterranean starting churches in Turkey, Turkey and Greece and actually Rome. Uh, so this is what he did with his life. But this is the thing that's hard to understand. When he became a good person, we would say, a Jesus follower, he started doing good things, something bad happened to them, to, to him. So he had this turmoil, this, this conflict. He had this wrestling with, with God and with his emotions because, hey, God, I'm doing what you want me to do. Why is this bad thing happening to me? And you might be in the same situation. You may be feel like you're closer to God now than ever, yet life has gotten worse. So I think, I believe Paul gives us a very profound, important insight into how to look at in the meantime situations. And it's in a letter, probably the third letter he wrote to this church he started in a place called Corinth. So we're going to read it from what's called 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So, or in order to, or therefore, or because, right? There's a purpose. (laughs) So to keep me from becoming proud. Now, this is the the purpose. Now, I'm going to take a lot of time talking about pride this morning, but pride is kind of the basic problem we all have. Pride is what says, I want to do what I want instead of what God wants. All right? It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, right? All right, so that's the basic problem we all have in our relationship with God is, is pride. So he says, to keep me from having this big problem or this overarching problem in my relationship with God, I was given. Now, this is a cool word because this was a word you would use when you give presents, all right? And we just had Christmas, so you've given presents, you've gotten presents. This is the word you use. That's, that's the fun word, right? I was given a present. Maybe you had a birthday. Somebody's got a birthday today. I won't point her out. But anyway, uh, you know, you're going to probably get presents. Somebody's going to give you presents and you're going to be happy, right? Because of this present. This is a positive word. This is a, uh, a word about something uh, pleasant. 
So he says, I was given a thorn, this gift, a thorn in my flesh. This irritation, uh, I, I think it this way, I, get, I do carpentry work and I saw things up and get sawdust in my eyes and sometimes it comes right out and other times it's like all day long I'm, it's this irritation in my eye. And Paul's saying, I got this gift of this irritation in my flesh. Paul, you sure you got the right word? Doesn't sound like a gift to me. So then he, he goes on and explains some more. He says, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Paul, you sure you got the right word? Torment doesn't sound like a gift to torment me again to keep me from being proud. It sounds wrong to me. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem logical. Gift and thorn and torment. In fact, this word thorn literally means to hit or to beat up or it would be a word you would use to describe a bully, for example. All right. So I was given this bully <laughs> to torment me. Now, I'm going to talk too much about this. A messenger from Satan, we don't quite understand theologically what he's talking about is actually from Satan or, or God allowed it to come from Satan or, or what it meant, but that's the way he describes it. And we don't know exactly what it was. I'll give you some of the guesses. Some people say epilepsy because in that time frame, they wouldn't have understood it. And so they would have looked at it as demon possession. And so, you know, this is a guy trying to be a, tell us about God, yet he's demon, demon possessed. It could have been depression. It's interesting to me. One of my preaching idols is a guy by the name of Spurgeon who lived in England uh, back in the 1800s. Uh, greatly used of God, but he suffered greatly with depression. And it's interesting to me that some people that God really uses struggle with depression. Some people think it might have been headaches, migraine headaches. Uh, a lot of people think it was some kind of eye problem because uh, he broke big and later dictated things. Some people said maybe it was malaria. He traveled around a lot, got sick a lot. We don't know what it was. All we know was it was bad. It was described as a thorn to torment him. So we could summarize it this way. It was something painful whatever it was, it was humiliating. I mean, if he's lashing around on the, you know, has a uh, 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 um, seizure on the floor, uh, it's going to be humiliating. And then it was debilitating. See, why he struggled with this thing was because it was a hindrance for him doing what he thought God wanted him to do. So he said, hey, this doesn't make sense. God, I'm doing what you wanted me to do, yet this is hindering me from doing what you wanted me to do. So you all feel better now, right? <laughs> You've got something that's de- painful, humiliating, and debilitating. Uh, what do you do? Well, we would probably do, if you're a Jesus follower, we'd probably do exactly what Paul did. And he tells us what he did. Three different times I begged, pleaded, obviously prayed to the Lord to take it away. Same thing you and I would do. Now, it's not like he prayed about it Monday, he prayed about it Tuesday, and he prayed about it Wednesday. This is over a time frame, like three seasons in his life. He's going along, he gets to a place, that, I, I don't want this anymore. God, take this away from me. Then some time passes, he learns to, to live with this for a while again, and then he gets fed up with it again, and he prays again, God, take this away. And then some time passes, and he prays again, 
I can't deal with this God. This is hindering my, uh, what, I, what I need to be doing. Take it away. Three seasons of life. Now, let me talk about an issue that, that really bugs me theologically or as a pastor. And some of you have been in other uh, types of churches. And this happened with my daughter-in-law, my son. Some of you think you're in these situations because you don't have enough faith. If you just had enough faith, this, the situation would, would solve itself. It would, things would get good. Things would get better. Now, let's think about this logically. <laughs> I would say Paul had more faith than probably anybody here. I can't say that definitively, but most of us would agree probably Paul had more faith than us. Probably more faith than all of us put together. And did God take this away? No. So most of the time, I'm going to say all the time, but most of the time this is not a faith issue or lack of faith issue. It's really important because you begin to blame yourself. And one of the most frustrating things when Aaron was dying was people saying, if you had enough faith, you'd get healed. What a horrible thing to say to somebody. So he paid three times, and what happens? Or through three different times of life. Each time he said, now this is, this is important. When you're going through an in-the-meantime situation, you want to hear from God, don't you? Either you find some Bible verse that talks to you, some guy gets up here like me and talks about it, or uh, you just get this, this impression from God. I don't think any of us wants to hear an audible voice. <laughs> uh, but you want some confirmation from God. That God is listening, God's aware, and God's going to deal with the situation. So he said each time he, he, he had this, he had confirmation from God. What, did, what was the confirmation he got? My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And I think it works well if you just switch the words. My power is all you need. My grace works best in your weakness. So the answer was what? All three times. No. No. This thing is not going to go away, Paul. But that's okay. Because I, God, I've got this. I can handle this. In fact, it's going to be better, better than that. I'm going to empower you in this situation. In fact, one way to say this is God says, I'm going to show off through this situation. And from our perspective, we need to say, we need to give God the glory through this situation. So not only was the situation painful, humiliating, and debilitating, now we know it's what? Permanent. It's not going to go away. So it's a no, but it's a no but. It's a no with a purpose. It's a no with a promise. I've got this. I'll supply what you need, and more than that. Now, the interesting thing I like about the Bible is this, and I said this a few weeks ago, well, last week with the story about Jesus. You wouldn't put that in there if you were making this stuff up. You wouldn't put that in there that Jesus let John get his head cut off, that, that he let Lazarus die, even though, you know, he took care of that later. You wouldn't put this in there. But Paul's perspective on this situation, nobody's going to make this up. So here's what he says. So now, or therefore, I am glad, not 
giggly glad, but glad to boast about my weaknesses. So that, and not just to boast about it, but there's a purpose, there's a reason, so the power of Christ can work through me. What are you going to do? A pity party? Blame God? Options. This literally means, to boast about it, means to roll around in it. To embrace it. To own it. To tell everybody about it. And that's important because we so often in the, in time, in the meantime situations, we keep it to ourselves. Because some, a lot of times it's embarrassing, right? Paul says, no, no, no. For God to get the glory, for God to display his, you know, show off through me, I've got to be able to not just let people know about this, but tell everybody about it. Boast about it. Because there's a purpose. I want to summarize it this way. Embracing, not fighting, not pushing it away, but embracing your inability to make your situation better is a prerequisite, a requirement to experience Christ's ability. Let me say it this way. God's not going to help you until you say you need his help. Again, this is so important because so often we want to hide. Then he goes on. So that's why I take pleasure in my weakness. Weaknesses. That's insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles. That I suffer for Christ's sake. Now we get, have some of those we call, bring upon ourselves. But he said, no, these are for suffered for Christ's sake. And then he summarized it for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. But when I'm weak, God is strong through me, right? Now, this bothers us as Americans, doesn't it? Because we think we can do it. I can pull my, I can do this. I can fix this. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. And that's one reason we have such a great, great, great country because we, in some areas of life, we can do that. But in these in the meantime situations, it doesn't work, does it? So what's the key? The key is in order that, in order that I won't be proud that God would get the glory in order that he can show off his strength through me, I was given this gift of a thorn. We're going to say it this way, a gift with a purpose and a promise. Now, let me confess I'm uncomfortable with this. Because, and some of you are because. Let me explain. You believe like I do that God is all powerful, right? Do whatever he wants. That he's a loving God. So anything he does is a result of love. So if he's an all powerful God and he's a loving God, he could change this. He could have healed Aaron, for example, right? But he didn't. So how do I get that, in my, fix that in my theology, my outlook on God. So what are my options? Believe that God's not all-powerful? That's not a good option. That he's not loving? That's certainly not a good option. Jesus died for me. He loved me so much he died for me. So that's not an option. So what is my option? To th- believe that God has a purpose through this situation and how promise of his strength and his grace. Now, I can't make any of you believe anything I've said this morning. (laughs) 
And you might think it's a bunch of, you know, just pastor talk, Bible talk. But again, what are your options? The best option, really only option, is to stop fighting, stop running, stop hiding, stop lying. And say, when I'm weak, God, you're strong. And again, it's not an issue of lack of faith. Now quickly, I want to finish with this. If Paul is not the best example, Jesus certainly would be the best example, right? So hours before he died, he went off into the Garden of Gethsemane and knelt down to pray, as the Bible says, as he often did. And here's his prayer. Father, if you are willing, please take this thorn, this cup of suffering away from me. Did Jesus want to die, suffer and die on the cross? No, nobody would want to do that, right? He didn't want to do that. Even though for three and a half years at least, that was where he was headed. He knew that was where he's headed. So this is hours before it happens. He's still wanting to not do it. Natural. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. But he doesn't end there. What does he say next? Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I don't know what's best for me, even because I don't really know what's best for me, but I want what's best for you, God. And for, in this case, for all of us, we're all the benefits, fitters of the fact that Jesus suffered on a cross. So again, a gift with a purpose and a promise. In Jesus' case, it's a promise that he'll accept us, forgive us, and we can enter a relationship with God if we accept his gift of salvation. So this is potentially transformational. If you're in this situation and if you're struggling, you're having a pity party, whatever. Now, let me again confess this most of these situations we would say when they're over, never again. I would never again want to go through my daughter-in-law dying. Never, ever, ever, ever. But I also would never trade how God ministered in and through us in that situation, especially through, our, through Aaron. So the good news is, you're in one of these situations, pray, plead with God and remove it. Bad news is, Sometimes God is going to say no. But no, with a purpose and a promise. That I will have sustaining grace, more than sustaining grace, empowering grace for you to grow, to come closer to God through this situation. Again, I can't force any of you to believe what I said. I would just ask you to consider this option as you go through the in the meantime situation. You have an opportunity to transform your life and the lives of those around you, how you when you the way you approach this situation. So let's pray. God, this is this is tough stuff. This is real stuff. I say it often, life's not easy. You didn't promise it would be. All those people in the Bible, it wasn't easy for them. But there is purpose 
<laughs> in our lives, and especially in these in the meantime situations. It's not you just picking on us or the world's against us. God, there's a purpose, a greater purpose, if nothing else, that you can show off through us. You can get the glory through these uh, situations. And if you're here this morning and not a Jesus follower, again, we're, we're glad that you're here. We would just ask you to consider the fact that Jesus accepted his thorn, his cross, so that you and I can have a relationship with Almighty God. It's a gift. And it's truly a gift. We don't have to, it's not a thorn gift for us. It's a gift of forgiveness, rebirth, new start. God, we thank you for sustaining grace. In Jesus' name, amen. You've got your connection cards. Um, let us know how we can help, what God may be doing in your life, quote, unquote, good or bad. Um, in fact, that's part of the reason church doing life together, following Jesus, changing together. So it's really hard to go through the in the meantime situations alone, and that's not God's intent for you. Thank you.